The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. We're going to talk about the Nobel Prize in Medicine. I'm joined by uh, Professor Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry at Trinity College in Dublin. Morning, Luke. Good morning, Pat. We're not going to talk about medicine, first of all. We're going to talk about Sphere. You uh, were there. I'm still full of it. I just got back this morning. Pat. I had the honour of going to the opening night with you two of the Sphere in Las Vegas. And um, I'm still reeling after it, Pat, to be honest, because it's the most spectacular thing you're going to see in entertainment. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, as you know, this venue, the Sphere, it costs $2.2 billion to build. And as someone said to me, that would buy, buy you a hospital in Ireland. You know, <laughs> but, um, but like, just, it's it incredible. Mightn't. But it mightn't either. But just the sound, obviously. This obviously the sound. It's like IMAX times ten. I mean, the imagery was spectacular, and the way they illustrate the songs and and seeing you. I mean, we have to be very proud. But an Irish band opened the most advanced venue in the world. It's great to see an Irish band doing that, isn't it? Yeah. You were saying though that uh, it might be hard for other bands to emulate what they achieved graphically and musically in this opening event. This sets the bar. I mean, the sound was spectacular. They've all thousands of speakers in the walls, basically. So the sound is, is brilliant. And then the imagery, the LEDs they use, you know. So they had, for example, they projected at, uh, uh, Las Vegas behind them and you, you thought you were actually outdoors. That, that's how high resolution the imagery was. And then great artists Street, you know, the wonderful um, examples of art. You know, it's like the Sistine Chapel almost was overhead at yeah. one point, this kind of thing. So, but the thing is, it blows your mind. You, it's, you can't take it in. My memory of it is the music was great and, and the graphics were great, but that, that merging was a bit overwhelming at times, I think. You know. Yeah, and there'll be more spheres. There will. They're building one in London, I heard. Yeah, and around the world now. Because clearly, if this is the if this is the standard, you know, as ever in, in entertainment, everybody else might have to get one. But of course, you won't see too many of them, given how expensive yeah. it is. It, it does mean, though, that the price of tickets will inevitably keep climbing. Um, but that's the way the bands now. You two don't need the money, but it's the way bands are going to have to survive uh, on their touring income rather than on Spotify income. It's a very good point. I think the tickets are expensive. I think it's like five, six hundred dollars just to get into the chief seats, you know? Yeah. And then it goes up into the thousands. So it is expensive, yeah, it must be said. But then, of course, they're saying the, the experience justifies the cost as the overall argument, I would think, you know? Once in a lifetime. Yeah. Once in a lifetime. Anyway, let's talk about Nobel Prize because this is a once in a lifetime experience for most people when they get a Nobel Prize and this one in medicine. And it was one for an old friend of ours. It was worth talking about, but you and I RNA vaccines. We mentioned them at the very start of the pandemic, didn't we? You know, And then the two scientists, Catalan Carrico and Drew Weissman, who get the credit for making the RNA for the RNA vaccines, have now won the Nobel Prize. Right. Now, her backstory is very interesting. Fascinating. Now, this is an example of, of, a, of a hero, right? A scientific hero, because she came from Hungary. Her father was a butcher, for some reason got into science and then went to America in 1985. And at that time, you couldn't really go from Hungary to America. There was problems. The max currency you could bring out was $100. Yeah. So what she did was she sold $1,200 into her daughter's teddy bear to bring more money to America. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Now, by the way, her daughter, Susan, goes on to win two Olympic medals, gold medals in rowing. It's not a very <laughs> successful family. But she arrives in America, has a really tough time, Pat, really. Goes to the University of Pennsylvania. and couldn't She's get, working in a very minor role. Minor role, couldn't get grants. Uh, the max salary she got was 60000 a year at one point, you know. And she was putting, uh, her passion was all right, this thing, RNA. And her husband, at one point, said the amount of hours that she was spending on it, it was she was getting one dollar per hour equivalent kind of in wages you know so here's a person who was doggedly pursuing one idea now, and now that was before we talk about the serendipitous meeting with uh, the her co-winner um the, the, the her preoccupation with uh, this rna yeah. she believed it could do something that hadn't been 
realise. She did, yeah, for some reason. Early on in her career, she says RNA will be a medicine and nobody believed her, right? Because RNA is quite an unstable molecule. Our bodies have RNA, of course, and the RNA makes proteins in our bodies. And she figured, I'll use RNA to make proteins in a body and that could be a useful thing to do. And nobody believed her. And then she, she had her grants rejected by the funding agencies. She moved from lab to lab because the lab boss would go, nothing happening here, you know. And again, she just stuck at it and kept going and going and going, you know. And then you're right, the fateful moment moment came when she meets Drew Weissman, the photocopier, is how the story goes. They get chatting. She says to him, I can make things with RNA. He's, he's like, that could be good for vaccines. Yeah. And he thought HIV initially, actually, and they begin collaborating. And then the two of them together then develop RNA in, into vaccines. That's where the story goes. Now, if you can simplify it, what does the uh, RNA do? I mean, yeah. it goes into a cell and what little work does it uh, perform? Yeah, it's the central part of life. And so much RNA, well, DNA makes RNA and RNA makes proteins. And that's, that's a fundamental thing in all our bodies. And she thought if, if you inject RNA to make a protein, that might be the thing to do here, you see. And it's easier to make RNA than proteins. So that might be a, an approach, you know. But the, pr- the problem was RNA can be quite irritating to the body. And that was known as well. And that's why she was being rejected, by the way, because it was causing irritation. People were just dismissing it. Yeah, dismissing it because it's work. kind of an irritant. You know? And then she realises that natural RNA, the stuff in your own cells, some of that RNA has a thing called pseudouridine. There, there's a mouthful for you, right? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, if I put the pseudouridine into my RNA, it'll make it less irritating. And that's exactly what happened. And that's what she's won the Nobel Prize for, so in fact. The idea being that you, you put this particular uh, messenger into the, yeah. the body, it then m- manufactures the condition in the cell and then the body's own immune system says, don't like this fella. Exactly. And and that's your defence. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, precisely. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant idea. And, and the trick was she basically made RNA into a safe thing by mimicking the natural RNA in the body is the idea. And now, lo and behold, hey, presto, RNA goes in, you get a big immune response and, and, it, and it triggers a defence against the vaccine without causing any irritation was the idea. And that, that's a real success. You know? Yeah. And um, how quickly then did she get herself and Weissman, how quickly did they get some sort of funding? Because clearly they did. Well, I do remember it, but it was 2005 is when they published their paper on the modified RNA to make it safe, you know. And then, look, it took a lot of time out. Nobody was interested. No drug company would take it on. That was too too difficult and maybe it still would irritate, you know. They didn't quite believe it, you know. Finally, as you know, BioNTech and Moderna take it off and they begin developing. Not for COVID, remember, this predates COVID. Initially, it was for flu. Okay. And Zika virus. They were the sort of ones they were thinking of, you know, initially. Yeah, now, flu would be a money spinner. It would be huge, uh, huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Zika would be less so, less one so. imagines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, they, and they got evidence that might work in those. And then, then the COVID pandemic starts. Now, they knew immediately this is a way to do it. It's much quicker to make an RNA vaccine than a regular vaccine. Most, like the flu vaccine is grown in chicken eggs. Can you believe it? Now, how could we have made a billion doses of that vaccine if we're using chicken eggs? Like, so, so, so they knew RNA is a quicker way to do it. And that's exactly what happened. They made the RNA for the spike in the virus, as you know, and the RNA goes in, the spike gets made, and now the immune system recognises the spike, and now you're protected, because down the line, if you're infected, you can still recognise the spike. And they show this, first of all, in animals, going to humans, and then finally, you know, there we have it, the biggest trial ever, 90,000 people. And what I love is, in November, when when Pfizer published the trial, Carrico wept, she said herself, it works. Because <laughs> there's always a chance it mightn't work, you know. Yeah. And she was always, she treated herself, but she had a big box of peanuts. 
It's how she celebrated. She says, you know, Weissman had an Italian meal, he says, when they saw it working, you know. So suddenly their dream began to come true through through those efforts. You know. right. Now, they get the Nobel Prize for Medicine, which is uh, great. Uh, it's a big payday as well, which they may, uh, you know, spend on Italian food or nuts, yeah. whatever they want right. to do. Uh, or they may invest it in uh, more research, uh, independent, autonomous research. But in case people think they're getting the reward for what happened only recently, they're getting the award because they were so prescient they were. way back then and they got were. no recognition and then the world find its u- yeah. finds it's useful. I think it's the best kind of Nobel Prize in a way because it's someone who has an idea that nobody has had before and their idea was to modify the RNA with this pseudo-uridine thing, you know, and that worked, you know, and that, a, lot, a lot of effort was needed for that. And then it is quite nice just to book the trend. And to yeah. say, look, I think I've got something interesting and everybody's against you, you know, and yeah. then it persists. And then, hey, presto, you show that it works. So the Nobel Prize is always given for the conceptual advance in science. But if it's, got, it's for medicine as well, remember. And here they've saved millions and millions of lives, you see. So, so it's a really good one. here's the thing. They were thinking they might apply to flu. Is it applicable yet to flu? Oh, it is now. When you see what they've shown is it works, basically, this RNA technology. So I'll be getting the flu shot this afternoon as it yeah. happens. Will that be an RNA not, shot? Not, not yet, but Moderna already are making a flu RNA and if an RNA combination two types of RNA one for flu one for COVID in the one particle you see that could be useful too and by the way Pat one last bit to talk about is the other trick to this was how do you deliver the RNA in the body and that needs little fat bubbles microscopic fat bubbles you put the RNA in you know they're called lipid nanoparticles and a guy called Pete Cullis invented that he was in the University of British he Columbia didn't get a, well a, I think a he shout. should get it as well because you think he should get a shout well, on well, the well, you need, Nobel you need a tiny bag to deliver the RNA Cullis invented the bag and it, it was tricky the bag is complicated in four separate lipids. So I think Pete deserves a, a shout out as well because without the delivery mechanism, you couldn't have got the RNA in anyway. You know? So the applications of all of this, um, what, what lies ahead? I mean, yep. mention of sickle cell, of various cancers. I mean, what can this technology Sky, do? Sky's the limit. Sky's the, they've proven that RNA can be used in medicine. That's the trick here. And then the question is, which diseases do you go after? Vaccines, first and foremost, of course. But cancer is absolutely the big one. If you get vaccinated against tumours using RNA from the cancer, you know, that could trigger an immune response now to the tumour. Trials are running with RNA vaccines for cancer and they're showing lots of promise. But don't don't forget HIV and malaria. We still need vaccines for those. So why wouldn't this work in other infectious diseases as well? So again, those trials are running. So what Catalan and Drew have done, they've opened up the vista now on a whole range of infectious diseases and cancers. That's the real hope. Well, congratulations to them, uh, Catalin Carrico, Andrew Weissman, the uh, two scientists who've won the Nobel Prize for Medicine for this year. Uh, fascinating story. And Luke O'Neill, Professor of Biochemistry, perhaps one day a Nobel winner. Um, for literature. <laughs> <laughs> or music. Or music, whatever. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.